Hi folks, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Popcorn Profile. You can find us at Apple, Spotify, Overcast, Castro, Castbox, Pocketcast, Google, Stitcher and PC Addict. You can also check us out on NACA Media's website where you can also find some other good podcasts such as BizPod and Et2 Millennials and also you can check us out on Twitter at Popcorn Profile. Thanks for tuning in guys. Cheers. How much do you think Louise would give if she could be on the actual Enterprise? And it wasn't like the set of the Enterprise, it was the real life Enterprise. Because <laughs> I feel like she'd want a lot. Um, only if they could pick the specific time. Yeah, that that, I mean that, that's the thing. You get you get the magic choice of what Enterprise you could be on at what time period it's well, on. Yeah, it would be next crew. generation. Yeah, I don't think anyone wants to go remotely near Kirk. The man just radiates. No, I know people who say that the original series is their favourite series. Well, they're just wrong, Becca. <laughs> That's what we said to them, but then we got in trouble because we're not allowed to abuse my partner. <laughs> Even though they were wrong. <laughs> what? We were all in like a group chat, like a video call, and we are talking about it, and then they were like, the original series is the best one, and we were like, shut up, and then their partner was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Right. You know what uh, Star Trek has in common with Phantom of the Opera? What does it have in common with the Phantom of the Opera? Absolutely nothing. Star Trek is good. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> episode of Popcorn Profile with myself, Sam, and as always, Becca. Hello. No Louise and today. No Louise today. Louise is out Louise in the ca- shops, conveniently, and didn't have to watch Phantom of the Opera and record this. Oh, what a shame. <laughs> <laughs> Messing so, out. So yeah, uh, as you probably got from our really cold opener, <laughs> we're doing Joe Schumacher's Phantom of the Opera. Which uh, is two hours of my life. I will never get back. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks, Becca. I've watched it so, twice. The last four hours. Oh my god, you, you poor soul. So I the last time I watched it, I was like seventeen. That's that's just long enough to just have it sort of fizzle away in memory, and then for it to just come back. Yeah, so I can compare yeah. watching it nine years ago and watching it now. Nine? So, Eight years ago. I can mark. How, how do you feel about it now after watching it again? Um, I hate it less, but that's okay. only because I've seen the stage musical and I understand the plot better. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, do you have... How do you feel about... <laughs> Jared Butler is the fan of the opera, because to, to me that's the like again. Obviously, he got cast way before his career kind of properly blew up. But like, why? Like, not even in a million years, I would have picked him. I will always question when they take a musical theater show, uh-huh. translate it into film don't really change much but then cast film actors i will always and forever question that 
they do it surprisingly a lot. They do. And I'm like, the actors are there. They've auditioned. Get them. They even had, they even had one of the actors who plays the Phantom in the show. You want to know who he played? Who did he play? Christine's father. Oh my god. I don't even, I can't even remember when he shows up. I was looking for him. I love him. (coughs) I didn't know where he was. I was waiting for him. He just never showed up. And I'm like, well, I have to go watch the stage show. And then maybe the Lemme stage show as well. Because he's in that one. And that'll be more fun than this. (laughs) So, one thing I noticed with this. And specifically tied with film actors playing, like, lead roles in a musical. Is that, because obviously, you know, like, most, like, a good 99% of all films are kind of overdubbed. Right? Yeah. It did not look like any of the the actor actors were remotely singing in the slightest. It was the laziest sort of attempt to pretend to sing I've ever seen. Yeah, so they record all of the songs months before they start filming. Because they've got to, like, you know, get all the songs recorded, get all the vocals recorded, do all the mixing. And then they're like, well, now we'll film it to the like screen stuff so they have yeah. that already and the actors can get their timing in right and that's how it's always been done and only recently has like Tom Hooper been like I'm gonna break the system and have them sing on set and, and you know how that turned out uh-huh. <coughs> cats um, but <laughs> yeah that's how it's been done and you can then just like m- mouth along with it but you can tell when people aren't singing and like Christy was the worst. Christy was really bad because there was parts where like she's like tra- really going for that high vocal range, and it's just like, like ju- just well, plain. The thing is, they actually sometimes do that in the actual stage musical as well. What? So the bit when the phantoms are like sing for me, and she gets that insane high note, it wouldn't really be that great for the actress's vocal everything. To just. To, to just hit, hit that every time. So they, like, record her doing it. And then, like, sometimes or all the times, I'm not sure how often, but they will use it if she needs it. And yeah. so then she'll be singing, 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 go into, like, miming, and then go back to singing. And it you don't notice it. Yeah. But it's so and obvious in this one. Yeah, I feel like, so, it's, again, it's... The films aren't even remotely related, but there is a scene in... Me and Liv watched Mulholland Drive the week before. There is a yeah. scene in Mulholland Drive where they go to Club no. Silencio. I've not seen it. Uh, okay. I've been watching Falcon and Winter Soldier, and that's all, I, uh, that's all my brain is consumed by. How is it? It started off really weak, but this last episode, everyone, everyone's into it. Even people that I know that hate the Winter Soldier as a character and hate Bucky Barnes, and was like, he should just leave, was like, whoa, that last episode was amazing. That's good. That's what I like to hear. Anyway, you were saying Mulholland Drive, they went to a club. They go, they go to Club Silencio, and like the part of the stage show is that they literally tell you that uh, everything you see is an illusion. Uh, everything, like if you hear someone say it's recorded on tape, or stuff like that, anything you hear is recorded on a tape backstage, and you don't believe it. And then they have a woman come on stage and sing, I think it's, and a, like a, uh, I think it's an Italian rendition or Spanish rendition of a very famous song. And it literally feels like she's genuinely singing. It is the best lip sync performance, one of the best lip sync performances I've ever seen in a film. And it tells you it's fake, and it's really emotional. And then there's a part where 
and like that's meant to be that the film even tells you it's fake it's not real but you still buy into it and this is doesn't even have that and you, I can't buy into it do you want a random other musical fact about lip syncing? Go for it. In Singing in the Rain, there uh-huh. is the lovely Debbie Reynolds. And she yes. plays a character who can sing, but during this time, this is when talkies are starting to come out. Yeah. And the actress, who's a really famous silent movie actress, cannot sing. And so when everyone's like, we need her to sing, they're like, well, we'll just get... Debbie Reynolds, Debbie Reynolds just sings for of her stage. instead. Sings backstage. They reveal it. It's it's an alright film worth at least one watch. I really like Singing in the Rain. I... In the actual film of like when they made it IRL, the actress who played the character that can't sing was actually the one singing and Debbie Reynolds was lip syncing to her singing pretending to sing for her to lip sync to. What? Yes. That's... What? The... What? Yes. Oh my god. So in the show, Debbie Reynolds is singing, and the lady is lip-syncing to it. But in reality, Debbie Reynolds is lip-syncing to this lady actually singing who's lip-syncing to her own singing. (laughs) That's... That's... Oh my god. Yep. That's great. That's a nice little tidbit. I did not know that about You're Singing welcome. in the Rain. Thank you. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, before we get any further into this, you told me there's some form of musical game that you had planned for this. I have a musical game because one of the things that really, really, really gets me in this Phantom of the Opera is how they mix together all of their songs. And so do you okay. know what the word diegetic means, Sam? Diegetic. Uh... Not at this moment in time. I, I've, I learned it, but it escapes me at this point in time. Diegetic is the sounds which exist within the film. Okay. So all your soundtrack, not really there. But yeah. non-diegetic is your soundtrack and stuff. Yeah. So like, so... The, the quicksilver scenes in X-Men, when he puts in his headphones and listens to the literal songs... That's diegetic. Diegetic. Any other time when random orchestras are playing, non-diegetic. So we're going to see if you can remember or figure out which musicals are diegetic, non-diegetic, or mixed. Okay. Because some of them have both. Okay. So will we start with the one we we done today, which is Phantom of the Opera? Okay, I feel like Phantom of the Opera is a mix because I remember them kind of going to the theatre at the start and there was some background music playing and then obviously they have the songs. So I'd say I... Yes. Yes, well done. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. A little Thank shop you. of horrors. Mixed again. Uh, it does have some background tracks uh, from what I remember but a lot of the, like, the songs... I- I'd say it's more diegetic than it is non-diegetic but I do feel like there's a mild mix there. Little Shop of Horrors is non-diegetic. Oh, is it? Because none of them are performing on stage to an audience. They're all just singing out. Me and you don't burst into song. True. Damn, I because I wasn't sure if it was kind of like... Uh... Oh, man. Now I'm thinking, like, what the hell? Is Fight the Concords diegetic? Or non-diegetic? Because sometimes... 
No, that's got to be mixed. They performed a crap. Sorry, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm like busting your own game. So, if it's like on stage, like Phantom of the Opera, the like when they're actually singing on stage to other characters within the narrative, that is uh-huh. diegetic. When they're just randomly singing to each other about their feelings, that's usually non-diegetic. Okay. Um, have you seen West Side Story? I have not. Do you want to take a guess? Non-diegetic. Well done. I, yay! Have you seen Cabaret? I have not seen Cabaret. I'm going to guess... guess? I'm going to guess mix because it's called Cabaret. It's a show. Uh, or would it be full diegetic because it's Cabaret? I believe it depends on which one you're watching. But in terms of the film, it's completely diegetic because they've moved every single song to be on stage. That's pretty cool. Moulin Rouge. I'd say mixed again. It is mixed. Well done. Mamma Mia. Not diegetic. It is mixed. Due Damn to it. that one scene where Meryl Streep sings Super Trooper to Amanda Seyfried. Because huh. they're actually performing it. See, I've never seen it, but all I've heard is that Meryl Streep may appear as a ghost in the scene. And she may or may not. We don't talk about it. Um, A Star is Born. That's got to be mixed. That's diegetic. Diegetic. They sing every single song. They're both singers. Yeah. No, because I was like, ah, no, no, no. no, that's no it, yeah. They're either on stage or like, you know, there's a really cute bit when they're in a car park cre- creating the song, but that's still like them actually just sitting in the car park creating the song. But like, you know, hairspray? Mixed. It is mixed. Because they have their TV show. But then you yeah. like, you know, not everyone's not actually just going to burst into burst song, in song and dance because John Travolta ki- got dressed up in his new dress like <laughs> <laughs> yeah do you want uh, do you want a Trixie one go for a Trixie one cats oh my god oh oh Christ uh to be honest I'd I'd struggle with where to put this if you're saying you're struggling, I would say maybe mixed. Because I feel like there is parts where they're doing like performances for the other cats, but also they're doing their own internal things. I feel like Idris Elba's songs kind of just to himself. Well, we're not talking about the film. Oh, the stage play? Yeah. The film doesn't Ooh. exist. Yeah, what are we talking about? Uh, next. See, I would go for non-diegetic. Fair. But it could be argued for mixed. That's a that's a one that I feel like everyone could argue about. Okay. Is there any other like musicals you've seen that you you wanna? I'd say La La Land. I've seen. I'd say La La Land's mixed because there is a part where uh, Emma Stone does perform for like the, the like for when she goes for her audition and she puts on a, she sings a song for her audition. Yeah. And she gets a part. There's a bit where Seb plays at the bar. On his. Piano, piano, piano. I've seen that that shot. Yeah, I think like I'm trying to think what else. Oh, maybe because I've seen Bugsy Malone. 
Uh, Bugsy Bones mix because we have My Name is Tallulah. Uh, yeah, like Fat Sam's Grand Slam. They're actually speak. singing it. But You yeah. Want to Be a Boxer? They're not singing in that boxing ring. They're, no, they're not. They, they are not the sing- ring. The homeless people are not singing about how they're down and out. <laughs> Brilliant song. Oh, it's so good. It's so catchy. I'm going to be singing that. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Uh, like, I'm streaming later today. I'm going to be singing that on stream. <laughs> I've got Fat yeah. Sam's Grand Slam in my head. I love that. Oh my god, I'm no, gonna. But... I've already watched it this year. I can't watch it again. As a Fat Sam, I personally adore Fat <laughs> Sam's Grand Slam. That <laughs> <laughs> <It> really caught <laughs> me. <laughs> I'm sorry if peeking the mic so bad. Love's just gonna be like a weird stare. It looks like she's trying not to laugh. <laughs> I have earphones in, but what did you just say? As a fat Sam, I personally enjoy the Bugsy Malone song, Fat Sam's Grand Slam. I thought that's what I heard. I was like, wait a minute. Wow. I think with that, we're going to end our weird musical spit quiz because nothing can top that. How'd I do, coach? (laughs) You're doing pretty good, considering you hadn't seen some of them. I I hadn't seen a lot of them. (laughs) I I hadn't seen stars. We'll get you trained up. We need to get you watching... Uh, well, I'd prefer to take you to a stage musical version of Cabaret. That's fair. I'll, to I'll show you West Side that. Story, that's a banger. Oh, Ooh, we didn't talk about Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh. Yeah, I feel like that's in the same category as Cats. Oh man, because I think I think when Frank comes in, like when I, but like no. F- oh. But that final time scene. warp, time warp. No, because time warp's a demonstration true but also the final song he is literally on a stage performing to no one and then you're like well how do other people know the lyrics and it's like well they're brainwashed yeah need to show you cats you've not seen lemmas (laughs) no i have seen the memes and i i don't know if i want to i think i want to keep it that way have you seen sweeney todd no sweeney todd's a good one i feel like I feel like I'd have fun with Sweetie. Have you seen Moulin Rouge? No. I just know it's a Baz Luhrmann joint. Moulin Rouge. Love it. And like, we're, we're, I want to cover his films at one point just to bring in and make you guys watch the beautiful masterpiece that is Romeo and Juliet. Uh, t- here's the thing with Romeo and Juliet, right? I know nothing about it other than the soundtrack and I like the soundtrack because there's a lot of Radiohead in it. <laughs> Someone wears Heelys. Oh my god. <laughs> Just the line like Shakespeare. Buy my heel and he puts his heel on the table and he's wearing heelies. Beautiful. That's what that's what that's what William Shakespeare wanted. Yeah, that's, that's it's what, actually that's the most accurate film representation of uh Romeo yeah. and Juliet just known. Yeah, I know he's anyway. Um, back, back to Phantom to... of the Opera and its weird <clears throat> thing. So the reason we covered that is because it really gets me in that they don't separate their songs good. No, they don't. diegetic and non-diegetic. Like, sometimes it's hard to tell, like, within cats, but that's because it's like, you know, well, one, they're cats, two, they're dancing cats, three, they're singing cats, four, what? Like, you know, yeah. when you get into weird Weber musicals where trucks and trains are singing... Who knows if that's diegetic or not? I think only Weber knows, and even then, I don't think he cares to actually answer the question. <laughs> no, I don't either. But it should be easy with Phantom of the Opera, right? It's people 
and an opera. You should be able to easily tell. Oh yes, they're they're on stage. They're not on stage. And in the musical, like stage musicals, a lot clearer because they physically have the stage there, and then they put other things in. But oh, you're not on the stage. But no, yes, they are on the stage now. But there is just so weird mix in the actual film. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> even if, even with, like the mix of diegetic and non-diegetic. One thing I felt was quite um, like just even like linking in the songs. It just kind of felt like this musical more than others I have seen in terms of like musicals being adapted to film is that as soon as one song ends, the next song kind of begins almost instantly, and there's not. <clears throat> I feel like there's not enough time for like a sort of breather. It doesn't even need to be particularly long. But like, there was the bit where the Phantom of the Opera takes Christy to his lair Christine. it feels like there's about four songs in a row non-stop it just and it's kind of like again you need to separate this out a bit you need to kind of section off a bit yeah so I'm gonna keep comparing it to Cats right because it's the same guy that made them and Cats is my favourite musical I'm not ashamed of that um, but within Cats it is pretty much non-stop songs but in between them all there's there's always something in between the songs. Whether or not it's just Monka Strap just shaking people's hands and being like hello, how are you? Like not actually talking but like, you know, little things. To the point where they uploaded all of the songs from cats onto YouTube and you can just watch them and that's the film. Like it's the yeah. epitome of you should be able to take out the songs from a musical and it what's left is not a film. Yeah. And that's what makes great musicals like your plot yeah. should be in the songs not in between the songs yeah but yeah this one there's not you can't really tell the difference between the songs they can't i i thought the audio mixing was actually quite bad where i could I, like me and Liv watching together Liv could not make out most of what the cast were even singing yeah like yeah. it was difficult to make out so it's not even like you could sing along which for a musical it's like that's you're dead in the war <laughs> A little bit. I luckily Louise was out when I watched it, so I was able to like put it a bit higher than I normally would listen to stuff. But like, yeah, if I didn't know the plot, I would be lost. And the first time I watched it, I was lost. Yeah, and I, <clears throat> I think as well specifically with this as well, it feels it. This doesn't feel like a Joel Schumacher film. It does it not. It feels like he had no form of creative control over this. They just kind of told him to make a musical. Yeah, I feel like he was able to maybe like control the camera a bit there is some yeah. like Joel Schumacher shots in there mm-hmm. and like there, there's some bits there but mostly it's controlled by Weber and I think uh, you can point out a lot more similarities between this and Cats 2019 than like this and any other Schumacher film because Which is the creative control mad. was Andrew Lloyd <coughs> Webber not the actual director yeah, I'd say that's fair to say. Also, I will say going into the casting, I didn't realise uh, we actually have a returning actor as like the sort of male lead is what's-his-face from Bone Tomahawk? Uh, Patrick oh, Wilson. The... That's it, Patrick Wilson. He I plays Raoul. Yeah, was... Because I, I, like, I didn't catch it because A, obviously he's, he's like, this yeah. would have been like, what, 15 years before Bone Tomahawk? And yeah, also like he had his yeah. ridiculous long wig as well. Yeah. I was very surprised, and 
I think uh, also I feel like the main reason they did not have the Phantom Opera speak that much at all is because uh, Mr. Butler could not hide his Scottish accent that well and they didn't want that. Yeah, like if you get someone who can do accents at least good or can like have a consistent accent that's a nonsense accent. But you know what what gets me about the casting? Is that I found out that Gerard Butler was 34 when they filmed this. The lady who plays Christine, 17! What? She was 16 when they started filming. Oh, Patrick Wilson, also in his 30s. Oh. Like, why? Why do you... Why? I don't... don't know, Becca. Why? I don't know. I don't want this. I don't want this either. It's just the, like, the, it's weird. It's creepy. It is. It's weird. Especially seeing that like you double down. He's a thirty-four-year-old with that hides in the basement of a theater <laughs> that kidnaps teenagers. Yeah, it's a. Once I learned that, because I learned it like halfway through the film, I, the, the rest of the film was lost on me. I was like, mm-mm. Even when it was like, look at Christine and Raul, and I was like, ah, 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 that's an age difference even I wouldn't go near. No, 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 thank you. <coughs> do, do you know Do you know what? There was actually two performances I actually kind of enjoyed in the film. Yeah. And it was the uh, the two older gentlemen that kind of like, I think they were like the kind of theatre proprietors. They were the guys that kind of like put on the shows. Yeah. Like they, they reminded me of the two old guys from the Muppets. A little bit. To put it into context, the age difference. You would be dating someone who's forty-three. No. Yes. Megan, he, no. She's half his age. Stop it. I can't believe you're leaving out Minnie Driver on this. Wait, what? Minnie Driver. Wait, she's in this. She played prima donna. The other lady who sings? <clears throat> oh, do you the one that like helped him out as a boy? No. The other main lady. The leading lady. Carlotta. Oh, is this the one that was like, she kind of stormed off in a half when... Yes. Oh my god, I, I forgot she was in it. I forgot she was in it. She's the best part of this. <laughs> you think? Yeah. She's the only one that commits to the weird melodrama that it's got going on. <laughs> She's Everyone like, well, else is like taking it way too seriously, and she's like, "I know this is trash, and I'm gonna go with it." She's like, "Well, you know, FIFA. I feel like if you end up in these kind of roles, I think you you make a lot or you make nothing if you, unless you lean into it." Yeah. Um. One. I I actually made notes for this one. I was that into it, into hating okay. it. One very minor point. Can we talk about the amount of wax he uses on his envelopes? Oh my god, it's too much. It's, it's way too much. Like, <laughs> in his basement, he's like, you, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send him letters, and I'm going to seal those letters with wax, but I'm not going to use normal seals, no, I'm going to put enough wax and make a little skull, a little wax skull on the envelopes, and that way they'll know I'm serious. Like, dude, oh. <laughs> just send him letters, you don't have to seal them with this wax skull. Where's he getting all this wax? Does he just have an endless supply of wax? Does he remelt his candles that he uses? <laughs> he just collects them from like the. He, he waits till everyone's left and he goes to collect the wax from the candles in the <laughs> opera house. 
has the little part where he dyes it all red. It's going to be a yeah. red skull because it's more mysterious. Yeah, you, saw, you saw his red suit. Jesus. Where did he get that? He where looked hell... cool in that. He should be he wearing that the whole cool. time. With his mask that like, doesn't cover half of his face. The, the bit that's supposed to be like deformed enough that you want to mask. And then you put, you put on the normal like just eye mask and you know no one else can see your deformity. It's like, no. Just... I know he's Jared Butler. He's got still got half his face to look beautiful and stuff. You can you can mess up the other side. It's fine. That's what people are here for. Yeah. You know when it's normal, dude. Yeah, it felt like it was a bit where he was looking in the mirror and he didn't even have the makeup on. I swear, I swear to God, it was almost like he didn't have it on. I was like, that what? Hang on. Have you seen what the Phantom on the stage musical looks like? He he looks pretty. I've not seen it, but I'm assuming he looks pretty rough. I'm I'm gonna send. Um, well, first I'm going to look up because I surprisingly don't have it loaded on my phone already. Oh, yeah, do you know one thing as well when I was watching it? I, I remember thinking like, whoa, this total jump seems kind of insane. Like it didn't suit like the sort of melodramatic thing it was going for. Was the bit where he literally hangs a dude from the from the stage. Like the stage hang it. Like the stage hang it. I don't even know what I'd call it. When he, when he, the bit the where rafters. he hangs the dude, yeah, the bit where he hangs the dude from the rafters, and it was just yeah. like I remember watching it, and be like, "Wow, this is actually kind of brutal." What's this dude here in this tone of a film? Enjoy that picture of Phantom that has been sent to your messenger. Let's have a look. Oh wow, so that's way more terrifying. The left side of his face looks pretty normal, but then yeah. he's really actually thinning on top got like long wispy bits of hair that just go everywhere but for most intense purposes does not have hair he's got this like kind of like an open wound that you can kind of see what might be his brain yeah it's on his head that's some that's some good prosthetic work his cheek is doing a sick harvey dent impression and he's got real like swollen puffed up lips like he can wear that for a whole two and a half hour stage musical and sing but we can't put that level on Gerard Butler yeah he's basically got like a little bit of a funky eye and that's about it yeah like it's it, it's not good enough do you, th- do you think do you think this was a case of like Gerard Butler was like no I don't want to do it or his agent was like no you gotta see his face he's gotta sell maybe got, I don't know we gotta sell but, the like, face if you put the mask he wears in the masquerade song like the normal black mask onto the yeah. phantom in the stage musical you'd be like whoa dude you okay yeah like, you're like hang on a sec whereas like he, t- he takes off his mask and this and people are like that's not that bad yeah you're you're all right you still look like gerard butler yeah <laughs> like <laughs> exactly it's not like uh it's not like gary holman and hannibal where it's just kind of Oh god. <laughs> it's not like literally any other person in any other film that has to look not like themselves. Like when uh Charlize Theron played Aileen Wernos uh-huh. do not recognise her at all. That's what that's the level you wanna get to with like Phantom. Like he's yeah. supposed to hate his face so much that he doesn't wanna reveal it. Like, we're not saying, like, give us grotesque things to look at. Like, yeah, we want to look at the weird phantom. Like, it's a part of his inbuilt character. Yeah. And he's just taken her away. <clears throat> yeah, it just kind of feels a bit like 
Yeah, it doesn't. It like the, the, what he's presented with in the film does not justify the way he behaves and the way people behave yeah. towards him. Yeah, you want to see his face and be like, "Whoa, yes, I understand. I feel sympathy for you." Not then, not within the film when you're like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I don't yeah, get it." Sure. Right. You can cover it's it with like one a, hand. Like there's a there, like there's another again. It's not like the 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 Phantom of the Opera stage play is probably a better example. But like there's the. Uh, like there's the film The Elephant Man where it's like the yeah. kind of a big part of that film is the hecklers heckling him in that film and they're just horrible towards him and you feel so bad for him and like and again I've seen the prosthetics for that shout outs to John Hurt for really going all out in that performance it's and like you feel sympathy for that and it's not even like again different character because he's not exactly wanting to exact his vengeance upon humanity the way the Phantom of the Opera does but it's the it, it, it hits the note that you're talking about where it's kind of like I, I can sympathise with you and I can see your side of the struggle but this does not have that yeah in this adaptation like, when your character motivation is based on a physical ailment you need to represent that physical ailment accurately and we can then go into the discussion about disabled actors playing disabled characters, but I think that's a bit too much for Phantom of the Opera right now. Yeah. But, yeah, you need to actually look into things and, like, know. And, I mean, you're making a film. You've got endless supplies. Why not actually find something that is up with them? Like, give a reason for it. Rather than just, hey, he's the devil child. And then that's it. Yeah, that's that's something up. But also, one thing I do hate more is the weird black and white bits. Yeah, I don't get it. I was like, why is this in the film? So the first one, right, is at the start of the musical. Because when you're doing a musical, there's physical people there. And some people run late and people have to get started. And, you know, people like crunching open their sweet packets and whatever you have. So... They kind of just put that scene in as like a little bit of preamble before it yeah. starts. And then to reveal the chandelier. Because the chandelier is amazing. It's, it sits above the audience. And then you get into like the amazing opening tune, which is like really loud and intense and high energy. So you can't just have everyone sitting down darkness and like, boom. You've got to work up to it a little bit. So yeah, that's to work up and then reveal the chandelier. But they didn't need it. And like the scene where it goes from like sort of decrepit and old and then goes into like the the new bits was fine enough really reminded me of titanic <laughs> when they're going through the ship in the weird like underwater drone footage and then it just bring comes to life and i'm like yeah you know what worked for titanic can work for phantom of the opera as well should have just went with that rather than like weird old prosthetic patrick wilson being like oh i need the monkey <laughs> <laughs> yeah right I think it's time to call it where does this rank on the list Becca okay 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 go go do you want do you want my complete list is it that uh, time it's that time because we're at the end of Joel's we're Joel's run up on profile so I'm gonna start from I don't have numbers on my list so we'll like go from worst to best. Yeah, we're at 21 now, I think. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. We are old enough to drink in America. Whoop, whoop. If 
each film is a year of our life, which I feel like it is sometimes. I feel like Philip the Opera was six. <laughs> the bottom <laughs> of my list, the worst film, Dragged Across Concrete. Yep. Then Morvan Caller. Then The Hills Have Eyes. Would be a lot higher if it wasn't racist and weird. Yeah. Then Brawl in Cell Block 99. Yeah. Stepford Wives. Millennium Actress. Ratcatcher. The Phantom of the Opera. Bone Tomahawk. Paprika. We Need to Talk About Kevin. Batman Forever. Just Beat by Batman and Robin. Tokyo Godfathers. Scream. Dark Crystal. And my top five are Perfect Blue. You Were Never Really Here. Nightmare on Elm Street. The Lost Boys. And my top film is A Little Shop of Horrors. Hey, That's a good pick. That's a good, that's a, that's a good top five, Becca. Thanks. A lot of them are my films. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be the way. Not really. Only... Only two of them are my films. Now we've got an Anton's film and a Louise film and a U film. So I'm very uh, diverse and covered. Can you say the same, Sam? So I've got... Yep. In Dead Last. Yep. Stepford Boys. Fan of the Opera. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! I did it! <laughs> you, you did it again, Becca. You did I it did again. It. Man, I'm really bringing it out with these last director films, haven't I? <laughs> I I keep picking directors that just slide down, oh. like you know, started with like Dark Crystal, then Little Shop of Horrors, and then no oh, Stepford Wives. Oh. No, I've done the same again with Last Boys and with Batman films. No, no, Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> so it's Phantom of the Opera, Stepford Wives, Dragged Across Concrete, <laughs> Batman and Robin. Yeah. Hills Have Eyes, Morvan Keller. Dark Crystal, and the 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 moment we get past Morgan Kelly's the like I love all these films from that okay, point onward. Okay. Dark Crystal, Ratcatcher, Little Shop of Horrors, uh, Brawl and Subway Night Night. Do actually could probably swap Brawl with Little Shop right now. I'm I'm really digging Little Shop in my brain. <laughs> uh, Batman Forever, uh, Nightmare, Millennium Actress, Bone Tomahawk, Scream. The Lost Boys, and then for the top five is Paprika. You were never really here. We need to talk about Kevin. Perfect Blue, and Tokyo Godfathers. So mostly my I'm picks. I'm offended. Two, two my films picks. are in the top five. This is me formally resigning from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what? The, lo- the Lost Boys was so close. I think I'm I get just... you with Romeo and Juliet. You cannot <laughs> you deny. Sad Leonardo DiCaprio and Mercutio wearing Heelys. No, I feel like that could be. Oh, and the it. guy that voices Sid the Sloth is in it. Baz Luhrmann loves him. You put him in Moulin Rouge as well. Are you serious? Yes. Oh, God. Right, that might be it. That might push it. So, oh, do we want to do a directorial rank at the end? So, like, who's our, who's our director champion so far? Oh, oh. Oh no! Well, we still got another round for this series because we've got Louise. Well, series—I don't know how you market these. So who's our who's our champ from last who's season? Our, from who's last... our pug champ director? Yeah, who's our pug champ director from last season? So we got so it was S. Craig Zeller. Yeah. Wes Craven. Lynn Ramsey. Boy. Also a good boy. 
Uh, Frank Oz. Yeah. I think that was it for that season. The first one. The yeah, because yeah. us three and Antoine. Yeah. So, I'd pick. I think I'd pick personally. Oh God, who would I pick? I it's know. between like, Oz and Craven for me. It's. It's between Wes and Ramsey for me. Ah, oh, see, I'm with you on Ramsey. Just Marvin Caller, just it really disappointed me. Like That's not in the fair. same way that like I hate some of the films on the bomb. Like all the the one film below it. <laughs> but the reason it's like second last for me is not because it's a terrible film and it's not because I hate it, it's because I I just felt disappointed. disappointed by it. Yeah, that's totally fair. I think it's just I I really like specifically yeah. with We Need to Talk I like I want this like the sec be watching We Need to Talk Kevin for the second time was for this podcast. And like just from the get go I was like, I forgot how it's so well made it's such a good movie I like it's it's like I feel like it's like a near perfect film and like it's yeah. it's the length it needs to be and like the same with uh, you would never really, I, I adore you would never really hear I do think you could have done with like a, like maybe an extra five minutes like it, it but I don't mind it being as lean as it is I feel like it's like because yeah. it's an hour and a half you could just be like you know I feel like watching that and just pop it in and then watch it and then you don't granted depends how much you you're in with the subject matter because it's not exactly the lightest watch. Very true. <laughs> but uh, she's fantastic, and again with uh, with Wes, like just in terms of his imprint on horror, I don't think it could be understated. Like, yeah, I think I have to go with Wes Craven just also because of like the other films that he has made and the outside influences. That's fair. That's totally and like I think. I think I my my personal pick would be Lynn Ramsey because it, like just in terms of my personal face but I think as it, even just for the I think in terms of who I think might be more important for the landscape of cinema it would probably be Wes Craven in ter- especially in horror. Yeah. But that's not that's no slate on Ramsey. I think she's fantastic. I think she, I think she's one of the best directors working today. I think out of uh, those four directors at least three of them have had a landmark on history. Yeah. At least three of them. <laughs> in being a female director in horror and working with puppets. Yeah. Puppet pioneer. Yeah. Specifically. The puppet pioneer. I also did watch uh, the Muppets last weekend, so I'm a bit biased. What the uh, which which one? Uh, the the newer one with um, Jason Segel in it. Oh, we left watched it like three weeks ago. And then afterwards, we immediately watched Muppets Most Wanted, and I'm so taken with Constantine. Oh, it's great. He, I, I it's feel like I found the perfect match. Which which film him. do you prefer? Most wanted, Constantine, all the way. Yeah. But we figured I... out. Feel free to cut all this. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense in the in the podcast. <laughs> but while we're talking about um Constantine, we figured out that in any media, if there's a character who has an evil twin, like it happens in Star Trek and it happened in Muppets. I am always the evil twin and Louise is always the non-evil one. <laughs> that's just how this works. It's just how it goes. There's two out of two now where I'm the evil one. And... I don't know what, what that says keep, about me. What do you keep it out? What if you go for... Uh, what, even a Buffy? Where you get the evil versions of... Uh, that that one episode where it's, it's the evil vampire versions of Zen, yeah. Zedron... 
instead of Willow. I mean, and they're vampires. One of them dresses in all black and only exists at night. Oh god, it is you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm always the evil one, and I I don't know what to feel about this narrative. Oh. Just embrace it. Just lead into it. I can just just go ham on it. Yeah, good. We are considering dressing up as one of them. At the, our evil twin duos, or please, just twin please, duos. Please tell me it's Kermit and Constantine. No, it might, it might be the one from Star Trek, which I means we'll both be Brent Spiner. <laughs> but like, supposed to be identical, but it's me and Louise with our height difference. <laughs> oh, that makes it more that fun. Hilarious. That makes it more fun. Oh. But anyway, um, fan of the opera. Could have I'd done say... a lot more. I don't know how I watched this when I was seventeen, but still held out hope for cats. Well, you tried. I different just... director. You could have had a different thing. I just see the it thing is like... with this one, he stuck too close to the musical and didn't do that much changes, and that's what where where it went astray. Is that he wasn't willing to change stuff for film? And then cats, he changed everything for film, and that's what went that wrong. Like, you know, you can't not use CGI and prosthetics for one film and it's bad and then use too much CGI for the next film and it's bad. Like, Weber, just stop. Do, Give them to people who make films. Hun, you're yeah. great at musicals. Stop making films. Ease the raids, buddy. Ease the raids. Just, like, go on, write in the contract. They're not allowed to change the songs because that's the only thing you really care about and then go for it. But also they changed all of the songs in Cats so I don't know where his stance is anymore. Because that's why <laughs> Phantom of the Opera ended up where it was because he was like, I don't want anyone to change my songs. But then like, he changed all the songs in Cats. I don't know. He just, he needs to be stopped. And I think he's got too much money now so he, no one's there to stop him. Yeah, Cats, you know all that green. Any, any closing yeah, thoughts? On... <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Any closing thoughts on Joel Schumacher? On Joel no. Schumacher, I really like him as a director. I feel like he he done his good jobs with the other three, and he got done dirty with Phantom. It wouldn't have been great, but it would have been special in that brilliant Joel Schumacher way. Yeah, it's campy and cheesy and like just not the ideals of a straight white man which is what it became because Weber was involved and all yeah. the other straight white men who have the money and control the directives yeah it feels like yeah I was going to say this felt very uh, tame compared to the sexual overcharge that is Batman Forever yeah where did all Jill Schumacher's horniness go can we yeah, talk just, about that? You get Jared just, Butler in a film and you don't allow the gay man to film him as a gay man would? Injustice. Like, <laughs> terrible. How could you? Yeah. Could you? Not even shirtless once. I've seen Patrick Stewart shirtless in Star Trek more than Jared Butler in Phantom of the Opera. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they're not afraid to get their tops off in Star Trek, but I think they're afraid to get their tops off in Phantom. Oh, what a shame. So uh, clearly, my final opinion is not gay enough, <laughs> not gay <laughs> or enough. not appealing enough. We didn't get uh, no male gaze on the males. Yeah. So my closing thoughts on Joel is, I have like I generally I adored the Lost Boys. I thought it was fantastic. I 
hold very fond memories of Batman Forever and Batman Robin, slightly less so with Batman and Robin now on a rewatch, but I still enjoy it. And it is like one thing you can definitely say about Joe Schumacher is that he definitely, definitely has a style, and you can tell you're watching a Joe Schumacher film when you're watching it. And I feel like that's that was the, I feel like that was most apparent with with Batman Forever. I feel like that was like the most like I swear to God, Riddler and Two Face power couple. They could just just gone for it. The ultimate power couple ruling Gotham gone for if the actors could stand each other. Oh God. Yeah, I feel like Tommy Lee Jones would just be like, nope. He was. He was. Oh. Uh, and then, like, again, with Family Robert, I just felt it was so tame. It just felt, it felt yeah. really, f- oh, what was it? Clinical, I guess, compared to, or watered yeah. down. Like, no dil- personality. The only, like, inkling of, like, the director taste I got is that shot your masquerade when like the phantom appears and the camera goes all weird and to the side and yeah. you see him and I'm like oh that's what I want I want the weird camera angles and the people jumping off bridges no they're hanging upside down and like you know all the weird puns and Jim Carrey so grabbing his crotch and like we could make a best of moments none of them would have phantom yeah and that's why it's... it sucks yeah it's just watch the stage musical there's a 25th anniversary at the royal albert hall royal albert hall i can't say that without getting r's and l's mixed up if i'm speaking fast but yeah it's brilliant it's got just amazing actors in it who are also in the 25th anniversary of Le Maison concert which is also amazing to watch and then you can just go watch Cats from like 1998 or whenever it is which is also just they filmed it on the stage just stop watching the film versions just watch the stage versions honestly that's the takeaway folks watch the stage version Phantom of the Opera do not go anywhere near the film I I don't think I could recommend it to anyone <laughs> yeah Andrew Lloyd Webber films I'm, a, I'm just gonna stop watching them but I know I won't be able to actually stop myself from watching them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, uh, it's it's your equivalent of kind of like, oh, I'm never drinking again. And then it's just like, next morning, Becca, what did you do? I watched Cats yeah. again, I'm sorry. Yeah. Now, I don't want to watch Cats 2019 because like, the thing is, Cats and Phantom don't have like, the raw charismatic power of the actors to pull it through. Whereas like, I can put up with Lem is by Tom Hooper because even though it's weird and the music's terrible and like it, there's so many problems, the people who are acting in that are so good because half of them are actually musical theatre actors and that's why we love it. That makes sense. But not this one. Don't don't yeah. watch Phantom. Okay. Watch um Lindsay Ellis's video on it. That's a fun video. Okay. That'll tell you so. everything you need to know about it. <coughs> okay. So. Now that we're at the end of our Joe Schumacher yes. run, and we're currently this is this was our second director of this season. Yes. Uh, would you would you go for again? Obviously, they're completely different styles. But would you go for more? Uh, if you were going to recommend a film, would you rather go for Satoshi Kon or would you rather go for a good old helping dose of Joe Schumacher? As in to watch more of their films. If you were going to recommend this to someone that was on the podcast, would you? Who would you go for? Um, really depends what they're into. Fair. 
but like I'd be more inclined for Satoshi Kon just because yeah. there's a lot more of a mix I feel like if you're not into Joel Schumacher style you're just gonna hate it and you're gonna have a bad time yeah I'd, I'd agree I think uh, I, I I tell you what though I would recommend Batman Forever for a group viewing because that film's just a bundle <laughs> of fun yeah uh, and just The Lost Boys is great full stop like I feel like even if you don't like Joel Schumacher I feel like you could get on board with The Lost Boys but with uh, with with Satoshi Kon, I do like his like because like all four of his films are like quite radically like Perfect Blue is a straight up horror. Yeah, loved it. Uh, the lame actress is kind of like a sort of like a sad romantic drama, I guess. Yeah. And uh, Tokyo Godfathers is a Christmas comedy. Yes. Or dramedy, maybe. And then Paprika's just weird. Paprika's <laughs> just nuts. <laughs> Paprika's like, hey, do you like animation? Look at this. <laughs> Look what we can do if we just say, oh, it's all in dreams. Yeah, just give people money. You get amazing things like yeah. paprika. You don't give people creative control, you get terrible things like Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. So, Becca, we are now finished. Joe, he is done. We, he is Joe f- is finished. Finito. Ended on we, a sour note, but started with a high. Yeah, very, very, very good high. That Lost Boys was great. <laughs> so, we now have uh, situation within Popcorn Profile where we are tempted to do a either like a mini spin-off f- until we have Louise ready to go for her next directorial directorial I pick have from asked profile. Louise to do it. Well, they've got their films picked and they've got the person picked, and it's just about getting free time. So yeah. we'll either be back with Louise or a very special two-parter. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it was funny because we were talking about this where we have we both have yeah. two parts picked out. Yeah, I've already watched both of the ones you've picked this year. So, oh wow, no, right Good now, <laughs> card it right now. <laughs> oh, uh, so well, who who would you rather go for first? I I don't mind doing I don't mind doing my pick for. I didn't like the way you phrased that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> What did I say? You were like, I don't mind doing you your pick. <laughs> like it sounded like you were like, I don't mind doing you, and I was like, whoa. whoa. You, no, your no, life is no, in the room with no, you. No, whoa. no, no, like, no. Yeah, cut that out. Save your yeah, chance. Yeah, let's let's not do that. Uh, <clears throat> so we we well, I guess it'll be a nice surprise when we do our next upload. Yeah, I feel like should we say what Louise's one is going to be, and then like. If it's not that, then you get a surprise one. Yeah. So, Louise's directorial pick is Becca. Drum roll, because I don't actually know the name of the director. Yeah, I was going. You were you started that confidently. I was like, you you don't know. <laughs> does Sam know? Sam does not know. The pick for our next director is Jean Pierre Jeunet. Oh la la. We're getting off French. We're getting off French. This is our first oh. French director. And we'll get Louise on to actually speak French and to like do the accent justice. Yeah, because we're heathens. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I just. I was... Whatever the word is for only knowing one language. Monolingual. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that as well. <laughs> I, I don't know why my brain was like heterolingual. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what that is. But I kind of like heterolingual. Yeah, it's quite fun. But... So. 
on that note, have a good one, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time for either surprise or French. Jesus pick French <laughs> for French surprise or French. Choose your options now at right. Popcorn Profile on Twitter. Tweet us with your surprise or French. We'll put a poll up, maybe. Oh, Louise is back. You do a French or a surprise? Surprise! It's French. <laughs> <laughs> right. Bye, everybody. Bye.